Hey folks, I'm Kathy Parker with Beyond the Ball Field. This is not your typical sports show. We won't be talking X's and O's, but we will be talking about raising your family in the sports-crazed world. Let's not only survive sports, but let's learn to thrive on and off the field. So please, join us as we look at life beyond the ball field. Hello from Beyond the Ball Field. Several years ago, I got to learn about a community. It was a community that is the focus of my book, Northern Lights. The elders of that community met and decided that they needed to have values that they all could live by that would exemplify who they were and what they believed in, and they could all agree upon it. Sounds pretty far-fetched, doesn't it? But it sounds like an awesome way of life. Today, I want to introduce you to Susan Hope. Susan is a friend of mine from Barrow, Alaska, or Utkiavik, Alaska is the native name. She is Inupiat Indian. She is a native there, and she brings so much wisdom into every conversation that we have. I hope you enjoy this first of a four-part series that we will be doing talking about the Inupiat values. Hi, Susan. Well, hi there, Kathy. I am so glad that you are joining me today on Beyond the Ball Field. And we're going to be talking about something that has been so interesting to me, and it's something I know that you know a lot about, and that is the 12 Inupiat values. And I'm going to go over, and then, Susan, we're just going to talk about how those came to be and the importance it is for your community, okay? Oh, you bet. All right, so avoidance of conflict, compassion, cooperation, family and kinship, sharing, respect for nature, love and respect for our elders and other people, humility, humor, hunting traditions, knowledge of language, and spirituality. Susan, those are 12 pretty awesome standards to live by. How did how did those get implemented and why are they important to your community? First of all, you know, when we talk about the word value, it's what we what we create as a, a standard, what we believe to be um, true. And so just like any big organization, they have their values and what they believe is the bottom line. And for us as a group of people, these are our bottom lines. These are, are the things that we hold to be true. And when we have our, when we come together as groups of people, because we, we are, our North Slope community is over 80,000 square miles. And we have eight communities in that region. And to connect all eight communities together and agree on things. We so we your your have, population value. Yes, so they're spread out. And how many people are you talking about over that vast um, area of land? You know, I think that we have a little over um, ten thousand Inupiaqs across the 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 North Slope. Um, so a lot of it, you know, with the oil boom that that was up on the North Slope, you know, it's brought in a lot of people, and really trying to communicate so that we have a shared value 
um, that we, because we're not a written culture, we, but we, we realized quickly that we had to write these values down so that everyone understood that we, these were core human values, but that we recognized them that, you know, before we had any of this industry, that these were principles that we operated by so that uh, we can have a, a common goal. It's such a harsh environment up here. It's There's no trees up here because it's so cold that plants, the trees wouldn't be able to have roots. They'd fr- they freeze. So the tundra itself um, is permafrost. And so, you know, it's not like we can grow a garden. Um, if you go a little further south of the North Slope, past the Brooks Range, then, you know, you get into the interior of Alaska and the, and the southern western coastal areas. And, and they have more, you know, they can then grow crops and plants to aggregate. But our ground is too, too cold and the summers are too short. So, how do we survive? We survive by believing in these core things. We Sometimes there might be even a misunderstanding about any value of avoidance of conflict. Is, is not that we don't um, address problems. We're not avoiding problem solving, but we're avoiding aggravating a situation. Okay, so let me uh, paint that picture for us a little bit. So when uh, before I came to Bureau for the first time, when I thought of Alaska, I thought of the beautiful evergreens and the mountain ranges, but the North Slope is not like that, and the tundra is not like that at all. So the people that have lived there for generations, the indigenous people, are the Inupiat people, correct? Correct. And then you talk about with the the oil and so forth, there came a lot of people from other parts of the world. Is that right? Correct. So I can imagine that that was a little bit of crying for people that have come from other areas where they could go to the store or they could uh, provide for themselves. They come into an area where really, if you don't depend on one another, you don't survive, correct? Correct. So before, there was a time up here where we didn't have a cash economy. So, you know, and it's hard to believe in America that, um, you know, that, that even in in my lifetime that there wasn't, you know, a cash economy. Now, we've, we've had exposure since, I, I want to say, the turn of the century, but really um, people were living subsistence lifestyles. And, okay, and explain which, that because a lot of people from the lower 48 don't know what that means. Okay. Well, subsistence lifestyle is is basically that um, if they they stocked up on all their fish and they stored, and um, we have these underground cellars again because the ground is permafrost, so we could, you know, harvest a whale and store, you know, the whale meat um, in these underground cellars, the fish. The seal, the walrus, the ducks, the waterfowl, caribou that come through. And so uh, a lot of the families were migratory, where they followed where the animals were, and they had their main, like, 
summer camps and winter camps. And then I want to say about 1970s, um, when we formed a borough, you know, we started having um, discussions on the North Slope about uh, we need to build schools because we didn't have um, secondary schools here on the North Slope. We had to send our children off to boarding schools, even um, to the Lowell 48, for them to um, re- to get their diploma. How, and, how did uh, that work? Um, did everyone go at a certain age, or how did that work? No, because there was no, you know, the state of Alaska wasn't, you know, at that time, statehood, you know, happened in the 50s, but in, in the 70s, there was, you know, the oil wasn't, um, being produced, and so there, there was no funds um, to send all the children, and so they would send like a plane um, to a hub, and the children had to test um, in order to have a seat on the plane, and the plane would have about ten seats, so ten kids um, were able to travel out and further their education. Wow. And then, um, and that happened, you know, before 1972. And then after 72, when the borough was formed, it was formed with agreements with parents in these eight villages that I was mentioning to you. We would form a borough so we could build our own schools and not have to send our children out to further their education. So parents agreed to that. Uh, because they wanted to be able to raise their children. And that's another thing, you know, why we looked at some of our core values is to really tell our children, because when they were shipped off to boarding school, you know, all those pep talks that you would do over the dinner table every night, you know, they, our children, you know, there were groups of children that went off to boarding school that they, they didn't necessarily get that, you know, they didn't get the, the pep talks, um, that those daily touches that parents do to gauge how well their children are doing. You know, many, many across the state of Alaska, um, you know, their parents were denied that ability to do that. Wow. So that has had an impact on your your culture for sure. It did. It did. And then when you end up having, you know, the, the, the oil discovery and then the pipeline and the jobs, you know, you have, you, you know, Madonna always said it best, you know, we live in a material world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think we went through that season uh, along with our whole nation. But I think it was, again, a superlative on the North Slope because it was extreme because of the oil impact. And I think we had to go back and realize, you know, we had to re- uh, evaluate ourselves as a group of people and say, what do we hold true? What, what do we hold so that as we divvy up the pie of resources that we, we understand who we're serving and what is our, what we're supposed to do? What, what do, what do our families and community, um, communities expect our leaders to hold true and we hold true and our children hold true and so again um i'm just going to go down the list on avoidance of conflict um you know it's the uh, to me the avoidance of conflict is not to avoid a subject but it's just not to aggravate it 
so that, you know, timing is everything. And so that the, our elders said, it's not that you're going to not deal with a tough subject, but that you're going to do it in, a, in the right time to do it. Right. In the right tone, in the right attitude, and with the right people. So it's really <clears throat> avoidance of conflict was our elders saying, you know, there is, there is, a, there is a way to deal with this that will um, bring life, that will not cause everyone to become in a more of an uproar. I see. And so... So that was that was an Inupiaq um, value, and and in other words, you can't, and it may mean that you can't, um, you know, that you have to have compassion on an individual, you know. So again, our Inupiaq value was compassion, and then and also in a spirit of cooperation. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to deal with an individual or a group that you need to learn to cooperate, and cooperation takes more than one. Yes. You know, we can all be uh, successful all by ourselves in, in our own world. But once we start involving more and more and more people, we have to, um, that cooperation becomes more and more critical and, and a value that's taught. It's, it's, not, it's not something that everybody will know how to do. So you have to be very intentional in teaching your family and your children and your organizations how that the culture of cooperation. And I think the benefit of the North Slope is that we're still harvesting, you know, the bowhead whales, and <clears throat> they're about a foot, a ton, a ton per foot. And if you catch a a whale that's, you know, 40 feet, that's 40 tons. And no one man can harvest 40 tons without that meat spoiling. Mm-hmm. So it takes, it. you must, you must have the skill of cooperation. Susan, let's get, dive into that a little bit because that is so foreign to most people. And I have just absolutely... A, loved learning about your culture and like you said the spirit of cooperation and how it plays out especially with feeding the community now the whale can you explain what that means to your community oh yes okay so there's no roads to the north slope so you really you know you wouldn't be able to truck Everything has to be flown up or barged up to the tip of Alaska. And now barge, and, barge comes in. How many times a year does a barge come? You know, I, it's, it's only through the summer. And there's usually, you know, they'll, they'll ship several barges that will come from Seattle and they'll come along the coast. And, and it's usually bring our fuel or big, um, you know, either vehicles or big housing supplies. Right. Um, so every stick, every light switch, every bolt, you know, has to be shipped up to, to the North Slope one way or the other. And, and um, I found out about shipping uh, to the North Slope the hard way <laughs> when we sent a football field up. And uh, there were, were not, there was no plan B. There was only, you make that barge or it does not happen. So, so I know the importance of that. Right. So timing and, and, 
and uh, so so that spirit of cooperation that um, with this whale is that um, um, it, and families families um, harvest these whales as a uh, an extended family like it could be the father and that has taught all his sons and their families and then their children and then because it's such a large task that you need at least five other large families to come and help and it's divvied up every part of the whale has names and it's divvied up by sections of who the emailic the whaling captain would get their section and then all the crews that helped them harvest the whale would get their section and then the community is fed that the that evening or that next day um, while it's fresh. And then during our spring whaling festival, we hold an event called Nalukutak, and that is where the successful whaling captains come together and they have a celebration and feed the whole community. And then when we do our fall whaling, our whaling captains will divvy out their shares to the churches and everyone in the community gathers to the churches and um, collects their um, whale that they will, um, and it's a delicacy, um, so they will have their delicacy throughout the winter. It's not something you can buy at the store and it's not something that the federal government allows people to do other than the Inupiaqs um, up on the North Slope. And they might be a tribe in Washington that may be um, trying to practice it, but up here on the North Slope, there's still many families that are living on the game that is um, found up here, uh, you know, at least six days out of the week where mm-hmm. they are eating you know, and heart the food that they've harvested locally because the prices are so high, you know, uh, also too, um, you know, if somebody was to say to you, uh, you cannot eat pizza no more from this day on, no pizza at all prepared in any way is going to be allowed in your diet. Mm-hmm. And, um, after you, you probably could do a year without pizza and then after that, you'd start daydreaming about pizza. Well, Susan, I, I have, I sort of liken um, it to probably down south, I would say potatoes. Um, because oh, yeah. I have watched people in um, the North Slope eat the well meat on everything. They, they put it on pizza. They put it on noodles. <laughs> they put it on everything. It's like with every meal, sort of like if you had French fries or you had um, mashed potatoes or if you had potato chips, you just, you, you can have it with every single meal. And yeah. I have yeah. seen that. And so then, it, And they right. love it. They love right. the well meat. They do. They do. And another thing, too, is that, you know, when I was telling you about the planes that had the 10 seats on there, you know, many of these young people who went and got their secondary education, you know, they then were able to apply. When we formed the borough in 1972, we had to play by the federal laws and hiring practices. So if someone who had a high school diploma 
um, applied for a job and somebody who only had a sixth grade education applied for the same job, it would be the one with the high school diploma that would get the job. And the, and the same was true with people who have their college degree. They look at all of their transcripts and they make a determination and they have to follow these federal laws. And many of my people, you know, at the time did not get those jobs at that time so that they could move up and move eventually into management and and higher leadership because they didn't have their diploma. And so that's not just across the North Slope. That's in many areas of Alaska where they did not complete their education. And I think um, for, for, I think it was only later on when um, the state of Alaska had a lawsuit on, they call it the the Molly Hooch um, findings, that the state then was forced to build schools in all of rural Alaska. But that, you know, didn't happen until later on. And then until, um, in the meantime, we formed the borough and we were able to build schools um, in each of our communities across the North Slope. And so... um, the employment that many of the families that that do have employment today, um, you know, they're able to provide for their families. And there are still many who they're working, but their identity is not their work. So it's yeah. a different set of values. Okay. And, and I'm sure that you, you guys experienced that in, in the different Law 48. Like, for instance, if I became a teacher my identity would be a teacher. I would, my profession would be my identity of this is who I am. And as a doctor, I, if I became a doctor, my identity would be I'm a doctor. This is what I do. And in the Inupiaq culture, it's not like that. Uh, but what about being a great hunter? Is that revered and respected? It's it's not not the great hunter because again the Inupiaq value of humility doesn't allow you to be this great hunter. They're not know? a boastful uh, society. See, you know, you're right, you're really right. throwing a wrench in everything with the lower forty eight and our, the theology. And this is what I love so much about these values. And as I've studied them and gotten to know the people more and more, it's like, oh, my goodness, what we have gotten away from. So I love that explanation of humility. And and you're right. I don't even with the great hunters that were there, the people were not boastful. No, they were not boastful. And in fact, um, you know, they they did not, they frowned on boastfulness because the Bible says pride goes before fall yes. and the haughty spirit before destruction. Well, you know, the Inupiaqs would, you know, believe that, you know, if you're boastful, you, if you're doing it for the glory, you could be doing a great thing, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that spirit of cooperation where you're lifting others up, um, is not going to be present. Right, right. You cool. know, so once a man starts, or a woman, starts boasting, it's a, everyone then says, that man or that woman is not going to share. 
Now, okay. can share in the success? It'll be all about them. They tend to say, "No, I will partner with somebody else." It isn't a they don't talk bad. It's just they choose. They just know they can't survive in that kind of an environment. Join us in the next episode of Beyond the Ball Field, where we will continue to talk to Susan Hope as she explains more about the Nubiat values and how they have impacted her community. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Ball Field, where we are using lessons learned in sports to positively impact our family and others. And for more information on how you can be a positive influence beyond the ball field, go to our website, beyondtheballfield.com.